You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is a full panel, twice the number of people we had last week. <laughs> uh, freelance writer Julian Murdoch. We were we were off trying to figure out how to make the unofficial podcast of Flash of Steel a big success. How'd that work out? I uh, I don't know. Ask me later. Actually, Julie and I were over at Mark Walker's house just reaming my new one. <laughs> we didn't get enough of him, so we just drove over there in our pickup truck with the shotguns in the back, got out the tars and feather. Yeah. Those other voices were Flash or uh, freelance writer Tom Chick. Uh, I would get you guys a coffee, but I'm pulling up my notes, uh, so this is going to take a minute. So I don't know that I can get coffee for everyone this week. And Bruce Garrick. Yeah, so uh, I hear there's these things called strategy games, and I'd really like to get more into them and understand what they do and how they are. So uh, I don't know. Can you guys help me out with that? Now, do you mean, Bruce, like war games, like with hexes? Well, I'm just thinking of a game where you have to use strategy or strategery. I think we could help you there. Okay. Let's, let's let's cover that topic. Okay, that's a good idea. Why don't we do let's, that? Let's get some benches from the church and we'll put on a show. <laughs> yeah, so that is this week's topic, uh, inspired by an interesting thread quest, oh, starting question on quarter2three.com by N. Lanza, asked for help from the forum, helping a strategy game idiot. Um, somebody who likes, what I think was a great uh, sentence, I love the idea of strategy games. I'll happily listen to people talk about strategy games, our podcast, for example, and I'll often buy them because they sound so great. And then when I actually play them, I kind of suck at them, and it's not really much fun. What am I missing? What's a good crash course for learning the right kind of patience and tactics I'll need to get something out of these games? I think that's an interesting question since it's something uh, – it kind of reflects a lot of emails I get from time to time and conversations with acquaintances ask, well, this these games sound interesting, but how do I get started? Where do I begin? Uh, I want to open with you know, first a general question. Are strategy games you think harder to get into? Is there a steeper buy-in for this genre than for other genres, uh, or is it uh, – comparable to others, in your opinions? I, I think, I think they are. Yeah, I, I think part of it is there's not the immediate hook of, say, the cinematic action of a shooter. Uh, you can't sit someone in front of a strategy game and, based on what they're looking at, necessarily make them want to jump in and play. Uh, I, I think they're definitely at a disadvantage to other genres. Julian? and I, I think the way you can tell this is look at the tutorial process for a modern strategy game, right? I mean, the idea I would think of every game designer is to make a game that everybody will want to play. I mean, obviously there are, there are variances to that. There are people who are going after explicitly making just a niche game and they know that they're never going to sell the mainstream. But you think for the most part, a, a big budget title, you know, not some little indie game, is going after the biggest audience it can get. Now, look at the difference in the tutorials between something like, uh, I don't know, pick like a mid-level shooter that's good, like Red Faction. Mid-level shooter, not like the AAA title of all time, but a really solid, fun, great game. You know how to play that game completely within 30 minutes. 
I mean, there might be a tweak. It might introduce a weapon later. It might introduce a, a vehicle system later. But fundamentally, you know everything you need to know how to play that game in the first 10, 15 minutes. And if you've played any first-person shooters before, really, you kind of already know how to play. Now look at something like, I don't know, any of the Total War games. Or uh, what was the one that I was thinking of before? Um, well, we'll just stick with Total War. Or, or certainly something like Birth of America. Um, the tutorial process there, East India Company, it takes half an hour just to read the text of the tutorial to get through the first half of the tutorial, much less to actually do it, learn from it, get into it. These are just much more complex games that have far more moving parts. Now, Julian's right, but here's an exception to the rule that I, I predict we are going to revisit many, many times this hour. Uh, not all strategy games have to be like that. Most are, mm -hmm. Julian, and I agree you're right. Not at all. But the, the, the exception, though, is, for instance, Civilization, which is so good about folding in the gameplay as you play. I mean, Sid Meier started you out with one settler. Anybody could move a settler somewhere, unfurl him, and make a city. Yeah. That's all there was to starting to play Civilization. But then as you play, it teaches you the gameplay, you know, the the, the the progression of a game of civilization goes from simple to complicated, and it's easy to jump in without having to learn it for a half hour. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I mean, and I think if you look at things like city builders, they tend to do that as well. Like SimCity, I think, did a pretty good job. But they both suffer from a problem, which I will call the first turn problem, which the, to me, the classic strategy game that you can lose on the first turn is Settlers of Catan. You can lose Settlers of Catan during setup if you really have no idea what you're doing. You can put down your first two guys, and you have a statistically zero chance of winning the game if you put them in the wrong place. And I think I think Civ, to a certain extent, I agree. That I was sort of trying to come up with my own list of, like, you know, what, what do you tell somebody? What's the gateway drug? What are the teaching games? Certainly Civ and definitely Civ Revolutions, um, I think, really serve that purpose well. But... Don't fool yourself. The first time you play a game of Civ, if you're just sort of randomly wandering around trying to figure things out, you're going to do terribly. <laughs> nah, that's not true. That's, well, that's no, not I, true I mean, at all. I've, because I've you can to... definitely play – well, you can definitely – I just want to say you can definitely play Civ at a difficulty level where it's, a, it's, it's more than happy to let you screw around and mess up as you play. I mean Civ, the difficulty slider ranges from you know retard to genius. Uh, so when it starts okay. a new game, okay, you, sure. You, so you can you can you can start it on the dumbest setting and get through it. But then then again, are you going to learn how to play the game that way? Sure, absolutely. You know what? There are plenty of people that play Civ that aren't good at it. Uh, I don't think that's a prerequisite. You mentioned it. Settlers of Catan, which is like a competitive multiplayer game. You know, very very elegant abstract rules. You're playing against other people. You, you either win or lose the game by the time it's over. But Civ is very sort of welcoming to people who don't want to play at that competitive level. I think, and that's sure. another thing sure. that that makes it an ideal candidate for someone like you said, a gateway drug for for strategy games. What, is that what do you it, think it about unfolds as you learn? Revolutions is great as well. Uh, I mean, I think revolution, everything that applies to Civ applies even more probably to revolutions right. as far as it being a gateway drug. I mean, if you're playing Settlers of Catan, you're stupid enough to stick your house by a 3 at an 11. You deserve to lose. Uh, but I've seen, been able to watch the learning Civ process firsthand for the last few weeks because my uh, brilliant wife, who never has any time for games has decided she's going to play Civilization 4. And, of course, she starts at the lowest level, where 
uh, one problem with starting at the lowest level in civilization is nobody attacks you, which is great for learning the economy and the research. But then you get up to the level where people start attacking you, and then you have to learn defense. Uh, so it's a which is great because it's it's it seems like every difficulty level up up until noble you have to learn a brand new system. So you're constantly teaching yourself. Um, so she tried went up to I guess warlord and got her butt kicked by the Russians and the Sumerians. So she's back down on on chieftain level, which is the second lowest, uh, until she figures out you know how everything fits together. Which uh, what's the fastest way to get to the right technologies and you know it's good to have her. To, it's good for her to have me just upstairs losing my own games of civilization, so she can. Uh, ask me for some questions, but it, it, she has started at the lowest level, and she's really enjoyed it because she just likes the building and the expanding, and you know, even if it makes no sense to colonize this tiniest little tundra island, she likes colonizing the tiniest little tundra island. Um, but civilization taps into that progressive learning thing, where it's bit by bit, decision by decision, and even level by level. Um, so I think it's quite a good intro game. Now, Troy, does she feel any, uh, from what you can tell, does she feel any compulsion to sort of get get better at the game, or does she feel frustrated that she's not able to move up to Warlord, or does it seem like she's okay playing at that basic level, almost enjoying it as a city builder? Oh, she, she, she wants to get better, and she clearly will get better. I mean, just seeing her play at the Chieftain level and, you know, winning the first one, ending up being Warren Harding, and then the next one being whoever's, <laughs> whoever's, whoever's just above Warren Harding. Uh, and watching her scores go up bit by bit, and at the end, I mean, it's she, her bear, her standard now is with how many civilizations still have longbows by the time I finish the game. So she's getting pretty good pretty quickly. Uh, and now you watching her, uh, because it's been a long time, and I, I think us four probably take civilization so much for granted, yeah. but you watching her, Troy, what has been the hardest thing for her to sort of get her head around? Uh, that constantly expanding is not a good idea. She played Civ 2, ah. where constant expansion was the right thing to do in Civ 2. You just she played Civ 2? Way back, yeah. Oh, so that she's disqualified. Yeah. <laughs> she's an old hat. She's well, she, she, hat, she, she, no, she, she, was, she was never very good at it, and she didn't play it very often. That, oh, really not, come on. All right, all right. Well, also, Bruce, consider who she Go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. I mean, the, it's it's. I understand the story. It's a good story. It's a good illustration. But she's played Civ too. Okay. Okay. So I mean, the whole idea of you know, well, she's sort of trying to get into strategy games to be a Civ four. I mean, it doesn't really work for the purposes of our discussion. I think. I mean. All right. I don't know. Also, Bruce, consider consider, consider to whom point. she is married. Uh, I can imagine dinner at the Goodfellow household often involves discussions of, you know, his total war campaign or stuff about, I don't know, Praetorians or that sort of thing. Well, so yeah, I they, imagine they have she's little, got a good they have little status, uh, salt shakers and stuff. So, yeah. Whoa, well, whoa, actually, I don't, is that X-rated? I don't... It's usually either, either university politics or, or the latest episode of Mad Men, but I get your point. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that, I mean... Oh, go ahead, Bruce. I, I just, I think that, you know, that the... the Knowing Civ 2, you sort of get all the – I think a lot of the, the sort of the abstractions of strategy games are the things that, as Tom was sort of alluding to in the beginning, are the, are the real problem because, you know, in a, in a computer you sort of shoot or, – or Julian was also alluding to that. I can't remember who was alluding to that. 
But I'll take credit. In a shooter, you shoot things, and things blow up, and it's very obvious. But I think in that thread, and I, I, I paged through the thread uh, before we started and, and noticed that one of the things that people were having problems with was that they would lose, but they didn't really understand why and didn't really kind of get all the game mechanics right. that were sort of going on that were preventing them from winning. And I think that the feedback is very important. It's not just that you lose, but, you know, why you didn't get to... And somebody actually made a, made a good point was that... Um, uh, uh, one of the games that people uh, kind of overlook, but I think is a really good sort of, um, maybe not necessarily a, a, a introductory strategy game, but maybe it could be, is Imperialism 2. And one of the things that Imperialism 2 does is when you start doing things that aren't really a good idea, it tells you. So, you know, it'll tell you that you shouldn't buy more soldiers, you should really buy more laborers first. Uh, you know, and then it'll tell you that, you know, so-and-so country already has, you know, twice as much labor as you do, and you really need to kick it up a notch in that way. And, uh, you know, when, when uh, your, 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 um, your laborers start starving, you can just kind of mouse over the little uh, uh, beef, grain, fish uh, icons, and it'll tell you how many you're transporting and how many you need and how many you're short, and you can kind of look at the map and see what's going on. And I think that's the kind of thing in strategy games that often doesn't get uh, enough, um, enough play or, or enough emphasis. Yeah, it's sort of the, the it has to be intuitive. The cause and effect model has to make sense. It's one reason that as much as I've kind of dug this game in the past, and as much as I think it's a good game, I think, for instance, Gal Civ is a terrible strategy game for a new person to play because it's really? a weird kind of yeah yeah I do even uh, I mean. I th- I was I was going through my list and I thought Galsiv 2 was right up there in my list of games that I thought I found very approachable and and I, I think, admit I've never handed it to somebody who was not a strategy gamer and say jump into Galsiv 2. I think Galsiv has a problem uh establishing that sort of cause and effect thing that Bruce is talking about whereas the player needs to know he he takes an action he needs to know what effect it's going to have. Certainly, I still I, I can to this see that. day I, I think that that's a problem with a lot of the more ephemeral concepts in games like Galsif 2 or, or even to some extent Civ 4 when you're talking about things like culture or religion, uh, you know, politics and influence. Those things, I think, can be very tricky to get your hands around. I think most people can grasp the build a ship with bigger lasers pretty quickly. And still to this well, day, Tom, you what? You, I was going to say to this day, I have. I, I was going to say to this day in Galsiv, and I wrote the manual for Galsiv too. I don't think I could tell you what happens when I build a, a factory on a planet. I, I there, there's so much about that game that uh, is really hard to parse. Whereas something like Civilization, everything until they sort of screwed up and added espionage, everything is just so clear and elegant. You know, you get. One little culture thing, and when it hits this sh- threshold, you expand a square. You know, you need this many foods until your city grows. It, it increments sure, one sure. population size. And Galsiv doesn't really do that very well. Okay, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So, but that's, you know, that, been... that sort of intuitive—it has to be both intuitive and clearly explained on the screen, like the stuff that Bruce was talking about with imperialism. Uh, and I just don't think Galsiv Two is great at that. We've been talking almost exclusively about sort of the big classic 4X kind of strategy game. What about what about games that are really sort of more tactical but sort of lead to more strategic kinds of games? I mean, I was thinking of, like, I, I was trying to imagine myself in the position across the table from this guy who posted the thread at a coffee shop 
thinking about what would I hand him to play, like, uh, you know, immediately. And I was thinking of, of games like Advance Wars or even or Galcon, oh. which you play on the PC or I mean, these games that are really much more tactical. I mean, don't those introduce a lot of these kind of core concepts that we're that we take for granted in these larger games? Wow, I can't believe you. Yeah, the thing is, Advanced Wars is for babies. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but come on, really? No, you're right, you're right. And I've spent plenty of time playing multiplayer Advanced Wars, and it's a good basic, you know, it's it's Ogre in a way, but better. It is, uh, but, but yeah. Ogre, if you were going to ask me to... to to whip out games to start teaching people in the board game environment, Ogre would actually be one of the ones I whip out and have in the past. I actually keep it in a little folder, and it travels with me to every convention because I can whip that out and teach it to somebody in five minutes. Let me get this straight. You're going around to gaming conventions and teaching people how to play Ogre by pulling out a little folder. <laughs> he is a bad I have done this in the past. That's what's happening? Okay. I have done this in the past. It's all That's of my so ogre awesome. stuff fits. All of my ogre stuff fits into a single VHS case. That's, That's so awesome. With him at all times. I can't. I never can't leaves my side. I haven't thought of doing that. So, you win, Julian. You should um, take that oh, door to door, door kind of like a Jehovah's Jew. Witness. Just, just proselytizing, converting yeah. people one person at a time to antiquated Steve Jackson games. All right. Good afternoon, sir. Could I share a little uh, ogre with you this afternoon? Are you explain GEV to you, please? Have you accepted Ogre in your life? What's the next convention you're going to? Because I'm going to try to go there and watch this happen. It just sounds so neat. <laughs> you could show up in Western Massachusetts on Columbus Day, and I might be able to find you a piece of floor on the basement. <laughs> oh, that's right. He he has his own convention. That's right. Uh, he hosts. Did any of us go to PAX? I have to ask. I mean, I know we don't do news on this show, but did any of us go to PAX? I didn't. What? No. In fact, I was. And one of us doesn't even know what PAX is, so there you go. There we go. I mean, all, all the PAX stuff made me think we should have done this podcast live because the giant bombcast was live, and all the games for Windows guys got together and did it live, and the gamers with jobs, jobs did it guys live. did it live. So I was thinking, maybe what do you do live a podcast what? live? We are doing it live. What What do you mean live? I mean, what, let people listen at the same time, and you don't edit it, and they can actually ask you questions. How are we going to put in the wacky sound effects and whatnot? To do it? And the music. <laughs> All, the, all that high-quality post-production we do. Yeah. Uh, I do want to get back to your Advance yeah. Wars thing, because that's actually a great point that – let me check my notes. Yeah, that I did not think of. Uh, but, Julian, that's – I that those right there, or that those are sort of the basics of turn-based strategy gaming, from the resources yeah. to the paper, rock, scissors to fog of war – to yeah. you know, Overwatch, the, just all of that stuff. I mean, you know, there. there's, there's a problem. Oh, with, there's, a, there's a problem with using Advance Wars, and I think that's great if people want to. If people are drawn to strategy gaming because they want to learn all these, they you know the basics. They want to teach this. They want to approach this like they would uh, a class in engineering. But I think people who are drawn to strategy games are drawn to certain subject matter, and I doubt the subject matter is is children driving tanks. Yeah, I agree with you right there, and I, I want to. <laughs> I, 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 yes, exactly. I mean, I don't okay. really, I, I don't want any of those, yeah, little kids running like detention camps or whatever they're doing in nice games. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that I, I'm not really sure who we're, who we're talking about when we're saying getting people into strategy games. Are we talking about like existing gamers who play other games or just like random peeps on the street? Well, I, I think it's an important question. I mean, it, it does depend who the audience is. I mean, if, if you're already familiar with, you know, basic interface stuff, then yeah, I mean, 
Well, I could, here's, here's the way I sort of think of it. Uh, I have a bunch of buddies here in LA and we, we have a, a LAN party every week. Uh, and none of them are really gamers. They're all very casual and it's always been simple to get them into shooters. You know, we sit there and I've got a LAN and half of them I love are in the fact room. that people who show up at your house once a week to play at a LAN party are considered casual. Well, yeah. they don't own a lot of their own games. They don't buy games, for instance. Uh, like, I, I sort of think that's the distinction. Is And a lot of times when they come over, they'll play one game and we spend the rest of the night, you know, talking about Battlestar Galactica or whatever. Uh, it, it's ah, just a bunch that's of... That's so uh, sad. We, we don't even watch that. I can't stand that show. I just want to state for the record. Uh, that. You were just actually, trying to you know sound what? like the hip kids. You can send your angry letters to... Uh, but I, I, they're, they're not really gamers. So the way I sort of think of it is I think of these guys coming over every now and then I have to press them into service to play something that I'm, I'm writing about or that I want to write about or that I'm reviewing. So I think of, let's say a strategy game came up. How would I sell this to them? That's sort of my frame of reference. Guys who know the basic vocabulary of games, but who don't seek out strategy games. Uh, so that's sort of been how I've mentally been framing this conversation. Uh, the average guy on the street, you can't sell him to st- into strategy games. Are you kidding? You can't just take a random dude who you could get interested in a shooter and get him into strategy games. That's not going to happen. I agree with you. Yeah, that was going to be my point and, and, and was also going to lead to my second point, which is that I think that people who, uh, as Troy mentioned, people who are into strategy games are often into some specific subject matter strategy games. Like, you know, they like... You know, Napoleonic or history, or like, or, right, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and they, you know, and that's the kind of game that uh, you know that they would be more likely to play, and they would pick it up, you know, if they saw it on the store shelf, and it, you know, it was a game about, you know, I don't know, Operation Barbarossa, and it it was clearly a strategy game, but it was clearly, a, you know, a historical, uh, you know, sort of a historical simulation strategy game that was obvious from the box. That they that would be something that they would pick up and think, huh? I have, I have a bunch of books about this. I, you know, I maybe I should get this computer game and play with it, right? So I think well, in that sense, go ahead. I I certainly agree. That, and and historically, pardon the self-referential pun. Historically, that has been the case that strategy gamers have approached subject matter almost more than they've approached game. But but in in sort of this modern world, the kinds of strategy games we're talking about. I, I, I'm, I keep coming back to this issue of, uh, you know, the difference between single player and multiplayer. I mean, I think I, I have this belief that for the most part, turn-based strategy games, which are a very small minority of the actual sales of strategy games, I think. Right. Um, yes. I, that those are predominantly played single player because the back and forth of trying to do that multiplayer requires a fair amount of dedication. Gee, you think? You think? Yeah, given that we can't keep our own Dominions game moving for more than one turn a week? Uh, hey, yes, I know. I, I, it's my fault. In. How, uh, how, yeah, yeah, how yeah. many emails did I send out this week reminding Thank me that? Thank you. Yeah, well, but this is my point. But versus versus the real-time strategy game genre, which I think has become more and more multiplayer-focused. Look at something like Dawn of War 2, where you know multiplayer was almost its own little game sitting over on the side that was completely different than the single-player game and pretty cool, pretty awesome. So... I, I sort of wonder whether or not we need to make a division here because I feel like I could get some of my friends that are really just sort of first-person shooter, play rock band on the weekend kind of gamers into Dawn of War 2 multiplayer. But I'm not sure I could get them into Civilization. 
Well, here's where I, you cannot get them into Dawn of War 2 multiplayer. And I, I have a whole separate section on getting new players into RTSs that we should save for a little bit. Because that, that section, is a whole section of, of what? Of your my brain? notes. His. No, no, my notes. I have. Welcome uh, to the Let's Navigate Tom's Notes section while he doesn't <laughs> send us a copy ahead of time. You can, yeah, it's not in my favorite in. game. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but, uh, Julian, you, you're always bringing up that whole single player versus multiplayer board gaming thing. So I'm going to say that's your baggage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, I also think Julian too, you're, you're shortchanging how popular, uh, RTSs are as single player games as well. I mean, I still think oh, a whole I'm, not, lot. I'm not saying that they're bad as single player games where the P I, I actually think probably the vast majority of people play them as single player games. So no, I don't, I don't think. I, I'm not. I don't have some belief that there are tens of thousands of people out there right now playing multiplayer RTSs that I don't know about. But I, but I do think that there's a mentality that's there that that RTS. I, I, I actually believe the RTS genre plays more to the kind of gamer that's used to that pressure cooker real time. I mean, um, pressure cooker first person shooter kind of environment. Well, multiplayer right. works better when it's when it's real time. I mean, there's no denying right. that. I, I but agree. I think mo I think the vast majority of people that buy those real time strategy games play through this. Through, I didn't realize really realize how much this was the case, but I, I'm I'm convinced that they play through the single player campaigns. Right. And then they don't, play, they don't necessarily play skirmish. They just play through the single player campaign, find out what's happen happens at the end. And then and they're done. Yeah, they, I agree. They beat the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So uh, I do want to go back to, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry I keep coming back to this, but I, it was such a great point that I, I think Bruce and Troy glossed over. Uh, you guys talk about advanced wars as if the subject matter is little kids driving tanks. Uh, Thank you. Though that is not the subject matter of, of advanced wars. That's the graphics. That's the sort of the presentation, and it sucks. It's terrible. It's why I say it's for babies. But I think the subject matter of advanced wars is things like combined arms and uh, you know, like, like setting up uh, lines of attack and and feints and and scouting. Uh, I think yeah, that's absolutely. a primer. I for the subject matter is basically strategy game tropes. You know what you need to know to play Thank strategy you. games. See, after you dismiss me, then you come back and agree with me. Right, but That's I mean, I love you. I'm going to I'm going to take issue with that because people don't play uh, Rome Total War because the subject matter is combined arms in the Hannibalic era. They play Rome Total War because it's about Roman legions. But we're talking about right, right, strategy I mean, so, gamers. Play. Yeah, but, yeah, but they, we're talking they, about we're talking about introducing people to the concepts of strategy gaming. Not, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to agree to with Julian and say yeah. too. Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree with Julian and say, you know what? Give them a copy of Advance Wars and tell no. them to suck it up and get over no. the fact that it's little kids driving tanks because that's just any. If you're man enough, if you're comfortable enough with your manhood, you can play a game with anime graphics. So I don't just give them I, hero clicks. <laughs> Those are toys. That's playing with toys. I don't advocate See, actually, that. Actually, one of the things I was wondering when I was thinking about this topic is, to what extent are you better off handing your friend something that is much more abstract? right? Because if what we're trying to do is, is I mean, the, the, the original question was sort of about becoming a better strategy game player, which I have no hand in because I suck at everything. But, but part of that to me is focusing on the co core strategic concepts, not so much whether or not it's little kids driving tanks or you know, you know, legionnaires, right? I mean, that to me doesn't really make a difference in terms of whether or not you are a good strategy player, understand strategic play concepts, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've been, I, I mean, honestly, like with my own kids, 
I'm teaching them chess as soon as they can, con- you know, even grasp the concepts. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, by contract, you know, because of that, my 10 year old daughter plays a pretty good game of chess. I mean, she's not like focused on it. She's not like one of these kids in New York that's all like hyper focused and really gets chess. She doesn't learn openings and stuff like that, but she understands all of the core strategic concepts. She understands what the pieces do. She understands about controlling the center. She understands about material and territory. I mean, these are core strategic concepts. I mean, Maybe that's the real answer is focus on the games that teach these core concepts. I disagree with you. I don't think that the core – I don't think core concepts have anything to do with the issue. I think the core con- – the, the issue is that people can't can't keep in their heads all the different factors that are keeping them from building, you know, uh, enough paper to make uh, enough capitalists so that they can actually exploit the resources that they discovered last term. I think a lot what of the, the hell stuff, are you talking about? That's what I want to know. What game is that? Because I think I want to play it. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's imperialism. It's the imperialism series, right? Oh. I mean, I think I think the problem is that you know people sort of understand all the the basic concepts that you guys are talking about. I think that people the problem with do you with really do you honestly think that people understand all the core concepts we're talking about? I think people who are gamers who who play other you know other types of games understand that you know if somebody is you know if somebody's built up a whole bunch of panzer divisions like in your center then you don't want to like not defend that part of the map right I mean people kind of get the get general things but I think the thing that's that that people really don't get is how to keep their game going and how to you know, from this turn to the next turn, build on things and build on mechanics that are under that are really under the hood or, you know, in uh, in Hearts of Iron three, you know, what they really need to research so that, you know, three hours from now they're going to actually, you know, have a, a, a reasonable military. That's the stuff that people have a problem with. It's not well, nobody. Oh, nope. go ahead. I would never put anybody in front of Hearts of Iron 3 or any Paradox game, for that matter, who is not already very well acquainted with, with strategy games. I mean, I just think that's – go ahead. What was yeah, I think we're talking about different things. I mean, I'm talking about guys that show up at Tom's house who apparently are drooling idiots who can't buy their own games yet still show up week after week to play first-person shooters <laughs> against Tom. <laughs> <laughs> But I, there's not a one of those guys who I would ever dream of recommending uh, that they play a, a paradox game. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, neither would I, right? I agree, I agree with you. Yeah. And and I don't think they're in any danger of that happening anytime. I mean, that's just, you know, paradox is a classic example of how not to get someone into strategy games, I think. Uh, but I think that's the game, that's the type of game that the people that are listening to the podcast find oh you, you know, care about our audience in theory now. huh what now you're caring about our audience we're trying to address an you know again archetypal question here and now you actually want to care about what people think god that well that was the that was <laughs> Total the original man. guy <laughs> but you were saying bruce the people that are in our audience think what now people that i mean the, the one people that i saw in that thread that were posting right. saying you know i like the idea of these games sound so neat. They sound right. so neat, but then I try to play them and I, you know, I can't figure them out. And right? so actually, I think that's one of the important points we should make is for those people, because they're probably like reading the forum and they're seeing these threads and they're seeing guys who I've mentioned before, like Scott Jennings, who can spin a great tale out of just talking about Hearts of Iron 3. I listen right. to him talk about that game and I'm like, wow, I want to play that. 
those people should not be seduced by Scott Jennings into wanting to play Hearts of Iron 3. Right. Yes, they That's can. one of the things and, I would say not? to those people. Like, I would no, say to those like, people, steer clear. Yeah, so you'd give them, of, of you'd give them Advanced Wars, leader. and as soon as they can finish, as soon as they can play a good game of Advanced Wars, you give them Hearts of Iron 3? Come on. No, 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 no. Between Advanced Wars and Hearts of Iron 3, I There's would recommend 20 games. Exactly. No, I would recommend to Oh, no, that's ridiculous. Heroes that's of Might and Magic. They're very no, it's not. Few no, like, it strategy is. gamers to whom I would recommend a paradox design. And I think those guys are at the far end of the scale of, of you know, it's going to be a lot. I'm not even there. I mean, that's what it, one of the things I came to realize with Hearts of Iron 3 is, you know what? I, I'm not even at that point anymore. That's just, that's the far end of the spectrum. Steer clear if you're not hardcore in a strategy games. And it's one of the things I was a little surprised to hear you say, Troy, when, cause you, you really liked Hearts of Iron 3. I did. It's totally cool. But you, you also, I think, made, what I feel, what I personally feel, was too wide a recommendation. There aren't many people to whom I would recommend that game. And I respect that, that you like it, you like what they did, there are some more intuitive things about it, but there there aren't many people to whom I would personally recommend Hearts of Iron 3. I think it's still, that sort of game, what Paradox does, is still, to my mind, very esoteric. Alright, so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna read my favorite post from this thread that we keep going back to, which was this guy named Skipper, who jumped in exactly to make all the points I'm trying to make against Bruce right now, which is Skipper said, I think you guys are biting off a big chunk of steak when what you need to do is cut your teeth on burgers. And he said, he, his example was start with risk, right? If you really get risk no. right, you learn a bunch of really oh. core things. Oh, no, no, I, listen, no. listen. I'll go with you with advanced force, but not risk. Listen, listen. No. So his point, I'm working <laughs> with children. I know that was really annoying. I, I His saw. point was that like <laughs> hey, if you go. really play Risk, you learn like six really critical things, which are very easy to forget in the heat of the moment in a strategy game. You learn that you know huge masses of things take forever oh. to get anywhere and require maintenance. They you know that lots of borders are hard to defend. That fighting on multiple front fronts is hard to do. Um, that sometimes dealing with a, you know, making deals with your opponents is the only way to victory. You know what, uh, Julian? Though I'd just assume tell somebody those game. things and force them to play Risk for you know you know an, no, blow an evening. I think that there is. I think there are core games that teach fundamental concepts, and I think throwing people into the deep end of the pool and something like Paradox is basically guaranteeing they will never come back. No, I'm not suggesting that we throw them into the paradox end of the pool. My point is that if somebody's interested, I mean, come on, this isn't brain surgery. I mean, it's just a freaking computer game. I mean, if you want to play, nobody laughed at that joke. Spoken um, as a brain it, surgeon. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. So, uh, I mean, the point is that if you want to play one of these computer games and it was really interesting to you, then just do it. And the, there's a thing that we have now that I didn't have when I was playing computer games for the first time, which is that there's a whole bunch of people who are already much, much better at this than I ever will be, and I've already spent 100 hours documenting every inch of it and putting it on the Internet, right? So all you really need to do is find a good – so here, I'm gonna, I was going to save this for um, – for a uh, for another podcast because I was hoping to, to take off with this. But you know what my new favorite game is? Make us guess. Give us hints. What? Make, make us guess. What's a good hint? Go. Rock uh, doesn't have elves, but it has their mm. close cousins. Dwarf Fortress. Yes. Are you playing Dwarf Fortress? You don't have time to play that. Well, I've only played it a couple times, but I really love it, and I really wish I had time to actually play it. And the reason that I love it, the reason that I love it, is that I found somebody's. I'm going to find out who I can tell. I want to give credit to the to the to the website 
that got me started on Dwarf Fortress, the complete and utterly newbie tutorial for Dwarf Fortress, and that can be found on, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Bill Harris, dubious oh. qualities. Giantbomb.com. Well, Bill Harris has an incredible series on that, too. It do be uh, okay, so I'll go read Bill Harris's, too. But, yeah. but I just Googled the first thing that I found, and actually it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty well done. And uh, I got, you know, to mostly to the end, and I kind of got the whole idea of what the game's trying to do. And, uh, of course, since I have a lot of strategy games, I kind of get the thing in general, you know, in the first place. But uh, I didn't realize that the... When I downloaded their little thing, I didn't even realize that I wasn't using the real Dwarf Fortress. I was using uh, a tile set, which kind of made a lot of things a little more clear and yes. obvious. It wasn't all ASCII. Um, but, uh, but you know, all, all it took was somebody um, somebody going through a, uh, a game and just kind of explaining exactly what was happening. And I, I found that to be also the case when... Uh, I did my tutorial for Dominions 2, and a lot of people wrote to me after I did that saying, you know, I had no idea what was going on with this game. I would, you know, click on it, and nothing would really make any sense, and so I just kind of gave up, and then I read your tutorial, and actually the game is not that conceptually difficult. So well, the difference, yeah. I think, Bruce, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you finish. That's fine. That was all I had to say. Well, I, th- I think, Bruce, you are not a good example, though. I mean, I, you and I are perfectly capable of, of diving into these big, overwhelming games and sort of really grooving on learning them. I mean, well, so I dig a learning good. curve, and I think you do, too, but I, don't, I think we are – we're aberrant in regard. I mean, are you, say, are you suggesting you would toss somebody into Dwarf Fortress as they're like – No, I really well, Bruce, get more I, I, what Bruce I, I, is saying. Yeah, Bruce is saying you know, it's, it's not as hard to make it out to be and starting somebody out with – the super training wheels of the idiot game risk is not giving people enough credit. Yeah. I mean, what about the what about the super was... what about the idiot game advance wars? Those Can we start... go with that one? Yeah, we'll give you advance wars because okay, you're so big because, because there are yeah, two or of... that super idiot game chess. Chess is different. Chess teaches you nothing you can use in civilization. <laughs> Absolutely oh, nothing. <laughs> oh, so material advantage totally doesn't matter. <laughs> and flexibility of units totally doesn't matter. And tempo could, totally doesn't matter. Let's not be drawing any of those conclusions from chess. <laughs> oh God! We're trying to figure out which way the night moves. <laughs> what are you? Oh. I mean, I, seriously, do you think people? Do you think people really are are thinking philosophically about all the games that they play and the lessons they? I mean, come on, they're computer games. People aren't de- devising their life philosophies around, you know, which units they learn to use. I'm talking about, I'm talking about whether or not you understand sort of core mechanics in terms of like. I think if you, I think if you play games, you understand those core mechanics to some extent intuitively. A lot of those things are intuitive. And if you're interested in history, you're going to know not to fight, yeah. not not to fight in exactly. too, on, on too many fronts. Don't need risk to teach you that. Yeah. Don't start a land war in Asia. I we're think done. you are. I well, okay. Maybe we're just talking about two entirely different things. Julian, I think you should start with with checkers and then backgammon and then chess. <laughs> that, that's that's. I think that's a much better. And way then to do finally it. go, which teaches you that black and white just will never get along. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> wow. For taking all these big broad lessons, you know, we might as well. <laughs> So I have a couple of things that I think it really takes to get people into turn-based games. I want to throw these out. Is this from your notes? Is this from your notes? 
No, he's trying I'm to get just back smart on enough track that because all... I'm so incensed I'm ready to resign. <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff is straight out of my head. It's just all off the cuff. I'm thinking of this up, thinking this up as I go. I'm just that clever. Uh, it needs to be an intuitive model. We've already sort of talked about that. It's like Gauss-Civ doesn't work, and I think Civ, it, you know, that, that cause and effect thing you were talking about, Bruce. You don't want to okay. play a game and then three hours later realize that you lost the game three hours ago. Right. Uh, I agree. I, I, like I really lost this podcast. Exactly. Julian lost it, too. We'll find out in, in 20 minutes that Julian lost the podcast 20 minutes ago. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the game cannot be, I think, too long. And this is one one area where I think Civ sort of falls down. Ideally, it's something you can play in a bite-sized chunk so that if you lose, you kind of want to go back and, and start again rather than feel tired that you just went through that whole thing. And this is one area where I think Civilization Revolutions uh, does a great job. Yes. Because yes. you can play a game Absolutely. of that. You can lose egregiously. And rather than thinking, God, I never want to go through that again – it's more of, okay, let me try again and try it this way. Uh, and that's right. a tough thing for strategy games, because especially well, 4X games, they tend to be... Epic. And I thought Dawn of War 2, that was one of the things I love most about Dawn of War 2. Mm, that's an RTS, though. That's a whole other category oh, in my okay. notes. Okay, sorry, sorry. I mean, in my okay. head, not in I don't, my notes. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to cross over your notes there. So. <laughs> don't cross, don't but cross But you're right, this. you are right, though, Julian. Dawn of War 2, that's one thing that those guys really got right, is when you get your ass kicked in that game, it happens in 12 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think another thing that Civilization did great, but that I, a game I don't really care for also did great, is you want to constantly reward the player. Uh, you know, decisions should have some little sort of, you should get this sense that every time you make a decision, you get something special. Or if you're especially new to games, you should constantly be treating the player with something. And the example that I think of is Heroes of Might and Magic. Mm. I never really cared for those games, but they were so good at, sort of creating this little Pavlovian thing where every time something happened, you get a treat, you know, you get a reward. Uh, so th those games are, I think, good for, and, and I would, they're not even strategy games. I mean, they're so, they have such a tenuous claim, I think, to strategy gaming. They're these little puzzles that you play through. Uh, but they're great to show somebody, like, here, sit down and play this. And every so often, they get treasure, they go up level, they get new monsters in their army. Uh, I think that was a great game for... Uh, indoctrinating people. Okay, um, that's a good point. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and that uh, teaches you, you that all all heroes should always be within one turn of a treasure box. And it teaches you killer stacks. You know, just yep. if you get enough stuff, you roll over everything and win. Which uh, is a the, bad habit. That, that is the perfect example of how all these lessons that you guys are building your life philosophy around are totally game specific. Because strategies that work in Heroes of Might and Magic would no. never, ever work. No, in, Bruce. What, yeah. Hmm? What that is a perfect example of is how bad a strategy game Heroes of Might and Magic is. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. I said Wait, I'm going to say that again and there will be are a we, Are we all just going to like end point. the show by kicking each other in the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the microphone. That's... My speakers are broken. Hello, hello, hello. hello. You were excluded minutes. Uh, you need in a strategy game clear goals. Yes. The player always has to know what he's doing, why he's doing it, and what he should be doing next. And it's another reason that I cannot stress enough that if you want to get someone into strategy games, don't get them within, you know, within spitting distance of something by paradox. Right. You know, those guys are just 
what they do is fine, but you, you don't really have clear goals. There's no like victory conditions. Uh, like a player needs to know what he's working towards uh, in a strategy game. Um, to some extent, so yeah, are... in civilization has that uh, too. There, there are so many victory conditions. A right. lot of new players have the issue of, well, how do I get to which one? Um, so, it's... and the thing is, you'll eventually, in the course of playing, you find yourself, I think, closer to one or the other. Yes. I think, like they start kind of happening yeah. automatically. Yeah, uh, and that's another one, Troy. I guess that's awesome about periodically rewarding the player. You know, you get a new tech, you found a new city, uh, you learn a new unit you can build. Um, it, 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 it keeps doling out the reward. Or the big thing in Civilization that my wife discovered is the cultural borders expand. You get the little announcement, the little dong tone, and you're like, hey, my culture's expanding. What does that mean? Oh, you're close to cultural victory. How far do the, the different stages all the way up? Um, then eventually get into the whole math of that. And there are a lot of mods that uh, give you some really useful hints on that sort of thing. You know, the cool thing about cultural victories, Troy, and actually about the culture system in Civ is, you, you know, you talk about your wife playing and she's not really used to being attacked. So she's probably not playing that aggressively. She's not really doing the war aspect of it much. But the cultural victory, there's something eminently satisfying about when you're playing, just watching your borders move out and swallow your neighbors. Yes. And it lets people who aren't inclined to play a warring game, it lets them conquer the map. Uh, which sure. is a, another reason that game is brilliant. Yes. But real-time strategy games are different. I mean, it's that's a great list for turn-based strategy, and I don't think we can disagree for mo- with most of it. Uh, it was a general turn-based strategy game. So we're going to leave out war games and a lot of the general? stuff. Uh, but Panzer General is like Advanced Wars, Bruce. As a matter of fact, Advanced Except Wars is a latter-day Panzer. Tanks. Well, he right. said he said general games, so I thought you meant like Panzer General. Yeah, and fantasy general, and Pacific general, and perfect general, yeah. people's general. Oh, Allied was there a general. people's general? There no. was. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah, that was more more down your alley there, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what, when people's general were you China or something? What was that? I, I think pretty much. Yeah. yeah, let's look it up. People's general. Yeah, you were fighting oh, China. Or China was fighting you, but it was yeah the U.S. and Chinese and Europe. I think. Uh, But what about real-time strategy games? I mean, these are games that have changed a lot, and I I think. And I think it would be almost easier to get people into real-time strategy games now because there's such a variety of them than at the height of the uh, economic micromanagement RTS world, which would have been, what, three to five years ago. There, uh, Yeah, there's so many different kinds of RTSs. This is – that's why – that's why I think it's almost like a whole separate subject is getting someone into RTSs is, is, is I think, simple. These guys I talk about that come to my house every week, I can get these guys into RTSs relatively easily because there's there's that sort of gratifying cinematic stuff happening on screen. Things blow up. Um, but there are also some great RTSs that don't make demands on the player that the genre used to make. Uh, like stuff with the economy, uh, or even multitasking. I think of Demigod. For instance, Demigod, I have never had a problem getting somebody into Demigod, uh, because you've just got one unit, a lot of gratifying stuff is happening when you play, it doesn't require the traditional resource management or multitasking of other RTSs. Uh, so things like Demigod make it a lot easier, I think, to get people into real-time strategy games. Smiter! 
<laughs> That's the best little reward thing, having that guy yell at you when you kill a demigod. It's such like an Unreal Tournament deal, the announcer. Totally yeah. is. Totally is. <laughs> Uh, another one that doesn't get enough love, and I just, uh, I, I'm so incensed that this game isn't doing better. It will hopefully get a second chance coming soon when it comes out on Xbox Live. But, uh, Multiwinia was another great one that I, I, I think, uh, is great for getting people into RTSs. Really? You're not really building. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I, I just, I, I was just not all that blown away by that at all, I have to say. And I played Darwinia, and I'm, Maybe I just need to give it another shot. I just it, well, regardless I of be... okay, regardless of whether you liked it or not, though. I mean, don't you think that it's good for getting someone into real-term strategy games? I suppose. I mean, to me, in a way, that that actually veers towards you know all the things that Bruce was getting incensed about about why present people with these ridiculously tight layers of abstraction. I mean, that was part of my issue with that game. But I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I don't find it. I just don't. What do you find mean, layers of abstraction? Uh, meaning, uh, I, I just don't find the environment all that compelling. Uh, okay, but I still what think game it's... What are we talking about? Sorry? Uh, Multi-Winia? Multi-Winia, or I guess... Oh, Multi-Winia. Okay, all right. I, I. But, I mean, you may not find the environment compelling, but it's an attractive environment, and people dig that sort of weird Cybertron scape. Uh, well, I think it's not, a good not, hook, and I not, think it's... Not very many of them, apparently, but... All right, when Tron, when Tron 2 comes out next year one, and sells a bazillion tickets, you can apologize to me on this podcast. No, when, I, when I, Tron I, I'm not going to argue that Tron is going to, but do you okay. think that Multiwinia is somehow going to magically sell a bazillion copies? Multiwinia has a Tron tie-in? What? It, no, no, there's, it's, a, there's a Tron yeah, sequel but, coming out. Uh and uh, yeah, so there's a Tron sequel coming out, and I'm just being facetious. Who knows how? If the Tron sequel comes out and sells, you know, a billion tickets, I think the universe owes us an apology. <laughs> and then, then everybody's going to play Multiwinia. I still don't get the how. It, what? Well, because Multiwinia. Julian is, is trying to ding Multiwinia for its setting. Like Julian doesn't find it, you know, compelling or whatever, and that, that's cool. But I don't. I don't. I, I do find it compelling, so I don't know where that leaves us. But I, I still think <laughs> nowhere you fall. Uh, but I still think it's a great example, and I can explain myself. It's a great example for getting someone into real time strategy games for a couple of reasons. One of the re- reasons, the same reason that Demigod is good, it doesn't require a lot of multitasking. You it's aren't building units. Very you constrained. Aren't. Yep. And there's not. It's very constrained. There's not a million kinds of units. I mean, I get the reasons. I get where you're going. Well, but there's not a million kind of units, but the interactivity is in the power-ups, Julian. Uh, there are right. a million kind of things you can do that are all different, and they're all accessible. You don't have to research turrets or tanks. Right. You know, right, pick right. it up as a power-up, and you drop it on the map, and it does its thing. Uh, it's, it's a very accessible game, and you can make epic, dramatic things happening, you know, killing hundreds of little dudes. You can drop nukes on the map, for Pete's sake, uh, without having to learn any sort of economic resources. Uh, right. It's a very accessible point-and-click thing, and that's one reason that I'm looking forward to it coming out on Xbox Live, is I think, as an Xbox Live arcade game, for console gamers, I think this has the hope of being another great RTS, kind of uh, like another one that didn't sell well, End War. Well, it sold well. <laughs> so so that'll, make, that'll make two. That'll make, uh, let's see. Console RTSs. Yeah. And then there's that third, that, that Swords and Soldiers Wii thing that I talked about. So maybe two and a half. Yeah, that's on a Wii, though. <laughs> well, and Civ Revolutions. I mean, it's not an RTS, though. 
Uh, okay, you're right. But anyway, so uh, even if you're not into Multiwinia, I think like Demigod, it's a great way to get people into RTSs because it's it removes a lot of the obstacles that make it hard for me to recommend something like Age of Empires 3 or Rise of Nations. You know what? As much as I love Rise of Nations, there are so many systems in that game that you really have to have an RTS vocabulary to sort of wrap your head around it. Uh, I love Rise of Nations, but I would not recommend it to someone who's new to RTSs. I just think it's it would be lost on them. Um. Well, I think recommending RTSs to people is different from recommending turn-based strategy because I think the audience for turn-based strategy games really does dig on setting a lot more than other uh, than other audiences. So I mean, I just well, think... point that. Well, go ahead. Well, what about? I mean, RTSs do a much better job of sort of creating exotic settings and sort of cinematic hooks and stuff that yeah. turn-based strategy games can't. And I think that can be big, too. I think, Bruce, of... I, I, uh, think, that's the, 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 I think that's where the, the Total War games excel, and I think that's why they sell very well uh, outside the traditional strategy game audience, because they do have uh, that visceral, compelling, insert, horrible adjective here, you know... You forgot immersive. Immersive, there, thank you. You are in the battle uh, type stuff. And it's not like the strategic end and the empire building is very complicated. You build an improvement in your city if you have enough money to do it. It makes everything better, and then you move an army to kill something else. Um, and I think, in fact, the Total War games are quite good. I have friends who play, you know, next, they play no strategy game except the Total War games <laughs> because they are... They're, they're simple to understand. They know what they have to do, um, and they can, they can go out and do it. And I think they are, if you want to do a, I mean, I think they're turn-based. Tom thinks they're real-time. We can agree, I think, in that as far as a major franchise goes, I think the Total War games are up there with Civilization as far as being approachable and accessible from the very beginning. Yeah. One of the well, best Well, let me tell you a story about the – go ahead. Please do. No, I want to hear your story about whatever you're going to so, do. My, my story about the Total War games is that um, I have a couple friends, uh, several friends actually, who when they were you know, in high school and college uh, and had a lot of free time, uh, loved playing Napoleonic board games. And they would spend hours you know, with these like, multi-section maps and uh, you know, put them on, you know, they'd find a giant table or a basement or you know, somebody's floor and, and, and put plexiglass over it and you know you just have these stacks on stacks of counters um, and they were you know Battle of Leipzig where you had you know five different nationalities and it was all laid out and everything so uh, one of them has played computer games for a while um, the other one has uh, just kind of recently gotten into computer games and neither one of those guys will play Chrono Glory. I mean, I showed it to them, and they're like, ah, it's, yeah, it's interesting, but it just, for some reason, didn't catch their catch their uh, fancy. You know what they totally play? Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Don't don't say Don't break em- our hearts. Empire Total War. Oh. No, they play Total, Total uh, Rome Total War. Risk. Rome Total War. There you go. <laughs> Advance Wars. The, Rome Total War is, I think it's the best of the Total War games, and I think it's because it is accessible and colorful um, and easy to understand. And it has, you know, all the feel of a battlefield, even though it's super fast. I think it's one of the attractions uh, to it. I think one of, a lot of the uh, Total War, you know, grognards complain that 
the battles got too fast in, in Rome Total War, and I think that was an entirely intentional design decision to have you fight as many of those battles as you can. Yeah. So I, 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 so two things come come to mind when I hear this this story from Bruce, which just breaks my heart. I, I think. <laughs> The deal is these guys, they know good gameplay. They're getting good gameplay from the board games they used to play. I mean, they were into the serious hardcore stuff there. So what they're digging on Rome Total War is just a spectacle. Uh, and the one of the advantages of being new to strategy games mm-hmm. is that you can play a game like Rome Total War. As a matter of fact, you can play any strategy game, and it's probably going to be a couple of years before you start having to worry about things like things that that, are, that that we four uh, are concerned with, it's going to be a couple of years before you have to start worrying about things like AI or interface uh, or gameplay balance because you're not going to be any the wiser if you're playing a crappy instance of, of these kinds of things. Uh, it's one of the reasons, you know, when, like, Troy, you're a big fan of the Total War series. That's cool. I'm not. Because I have, I think, more, uh, it's going to sound so snooty, but I, I'm more demanding when it comes to what I want from AI and from interface and from things like that. When you're new to games, like Bruce's friends who are getting off on Rome Total War, they don't know any better. Uh, so they can enjoy stuff like that. Uh, and they can just enjoy it for the spectacle. Hmm. Uh, so one of, one of the, uh, I, another, this also is a unique advantage of real-time strategy games is they don't have to be cerebral, is they can just sort of evoke a setting and they can rely on graphics. And I think of, of a game, one of, one of the games that is the most faithful to the feel and the tone of a movie is a, is a licensed thing. It's, it's an RTS based on the, the Hobbit movies, the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, Battle for Middle-Earth 2 is, I think, one of the best examples of how the tone of a movie is captured in a game. From yeah. everything from, from the music to the color to the graphics, the sound of the horse's hooves. I mean, that game is brilliant in terms of capturing the spectacle of the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, and it does it as an RTS. It's, it's a unique advantage that RTSs have. Um, so, Bruce, you should recommend uh, Advance Wars to your friends next. I think they're ready yeah, to move up to better gameplay. Perfect. A bunch of kids dressed as Napoleon might be fun. <laughs> that would be great. Some of them wear black leather. Napoleon you know, or black leather? No, some of the kids in Advance Wars. Oh. oh. Wow. Uh, Advance Goth Wars. I did a column uh, maybe a year or so ago uh, on basically 10 tips for people who don't play real-time strategy games uh, uh-huh. to get them in, and, and there will be a link to it at the bottom of this Yes, podcast. I will look for that column. I will link to that, as well as to the original thread on quarter2three.com that inspired uh, this conversation. And any other links it occurs to me to add, including one, a, maybe a picture of Julian's daughter beating him at chess. Uh <laughs> Do we have any Dominions update this week, guys? I sent my no. turn. There's our update. Top Bruce sent his turn, and I sent my turn. Uh, yeah. So if you can send your turns tonight, uh, maybe we can at least get a turn run. Um, next week, we will be talking about... Uh, wait, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, wait. We should, we should tease it, Troy, tease it. instead of, like, because we'll have a very special guest next week that wouldn't normally 
be on a strategy gaming podcast. That's right. We have and, an and we should just sort of leave that for people to wonder who is it. He's somebody that you've probably heard. Oh, I just I just let slip that it was a dude. I guess that's okay. But uh, he's somebody that that our listeners probably know of, but not in connection with strategy games. Uh, and I may not be able to make it, in which case I'll be really bummed because I would love to do a podcast with this dude. Well, maybe we can have him on again uh, sometime. Next week, we'll be covering a topic that has been addressed uh, in email questions to me, people who have had suggestions, many of them have suggested uh, this topic, and I think it is a good one. And our guest will have a lot to add on that, and it would be a shame if Tom won't be able to join us, since I know it's a topic Tom is also interested in, but we will have a pinch hitter for him next week. Uh, once again, if you guys, if anyone out there has any suggestions for topics or just general praise or criticism, please email it to me at troy.goodfellow at gmail.com. And don't forget to uh, rate and review us on, on your iTunes subscriptions so we have some idea of how well we're doing. Um, and so I can look at all those five-star reviews. Two of you gave us four-star reviews, and I'm going to find out who you people are. That's like a seven on a seven to nine scale. Yeah, I know. Nobody ever gives sevens. It's terrible. Wow. Jerks. Uh, any last comments, guys? Can we talk about Section 8? I haven't seen it, so no. It rocks. <laughs> Not the movie. Oh, that's District 9. It's awesome Sorry. fun. That's District 9. It's awesome I'm fun. sorry. Oh, the, the game. Section can 8 is awesome Can we talk about fun? District 8? <laughs> yes, we can talk about Let's talk about the road movie. Can we talk about hey, the World of Warcraft cataclysm? <laughs> <laughs> Say goodnight, guys. Good night, guys. Good night, everyone. <laughs>